Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. As a real estate investor, one of the things you have to manage besides your property is your cash. So today we're going to talk about cash management strategies for real estate investors and how you can be your own bank on the Real Estate Guys radio network. Live where you want to live, but invest where the numbers make sense. Even better, invest where you have a solid team to support you. We've been hearing great things about Memphis, Tennessee, and Terry Kerr from Mid-South Homebuyers. Since 2002, Terry and his team have been delivering turnkey rental property solutions ideal for out-of-area real estate investors. So if you're looking for affordable, trouble-free, turnkey investment property, call Terry. Use our resource hotline at 888-510-6838, extension 118. That's 888-510-6838, extension 118. Or find them in the resources area of our website at realestateguysradio.com. Welcome to the Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Robert Helms. We talk real estate every week, and this week we're going to talk about cash, one of the best parts about real estate. First, let's meet our co-host, financial strategist, Russell Cashflow Gray. Yeah, hey, Robert. How you doing? Good. I'm flowing cash. Excellent, as you should be. You know, obviously, or maybe not so much, uh, real estate investors are interested in return. That's why we invest in real estate. We want to see a return. Now, that's different for everybody, how much risk you're going to have, what the return's going to be like, when you're going to get it. Some people want to buy a piece of real estate, do something to it quickly, turn around and sell it and make a big old profit. Some people want to just own it for ever and have it just cash throw off for days. But either way, you want to make sure that your real estate is performing for you. And we've talked uh, this year about uh, checking in with your bookkeeper and making sure that's all in a row. We've talked about asset protection and ND planning. And today what we're going to talk about is an important element of, of real estate and something different. Uh, and that's cash management. And right. what does that look like as a real estate investor? Yeah, cash management can be looked at from a lot of different perspectives. So the big thing when you talk, Robert, about return is in order to be safe, like we have this saying that reserves preserve, right? And so cash flow controls, which is great. You're going to get a mortgage and you're going to have to manage the cash flowing through your hands in order to make sure you can debt service and still have some money left over at the end. Yep. Control the mortgage for the long term. Let real estate do what it does over 20, 30 years and make you a lot of money. But on the cash that you have to have in reserve, one of the difficult parts about that is it just sits there doing nothing. And that's hard. Now you kind of say, well, okay, but I'm giving up the opportunity costs in order to have liquidity. So it's like paying an insurance premium. It's, it's money out that I am getting a return on, but the return is not monetary. It's peace of mind. Well, and peace of mind is huge. In fact, we just did this at uh, a mentoring club case study. It was kind of fun to talk about acquiring a property and building in some reserves for a buy and hold property. Right. So the idea is hopefully if everything goes right, the tenants in there and they're renting and they're sending their money in and it's on time and you've got enough expense, you've got to pay for expenses, service the debt and have a little bit left over. And so the more that you're able to accumulate, the better you feel. Now, if you need to live on that income, you better have some reserves set aside because one day the water heater is going to go out. Right. Someday the roof has to be replaced. And so some investors pick up a percent or a number and they say, well, every month I'm going to put aside $85 for reserves or I'm going to put aside 2% for reserves. And that's prudent. Now, that doesn't sound like you need to, uh, to devote a whole show about it. How do you manage that? Well, there's some paradigms we have to break here. One is that depending on what the risk profile of the property is, I may treat the reserves differently. If I'm buying a property that has issues or is a tough tenant profile property, I might have a different reserve basis than if it's a brand new home with a three-year lease. 
right? Right. Now imagine this. Imagine I, I get that single family house and I'm building my reserves to whatever degree makes me sleep at night so I have that peace of mind. Now I get another house, another house. I'm going to take reserves in all those cases. Once I have six or seven properties, maybe I don't need as much reserves per house. Right. Because I, if, if something, the idea of having reserves is to build them up. So if something were to go wrong, right? I'm, so this is what we want you to, it's not what we're going to talk about the whole show, but the concept is you have to think about managing the cash that you keep in the property just as you do about managing the cash flow on the property. Well, I mean, the other thing is you have to have a degree of liquidity if you want to be able to take advantage of new opportunity. You can't, you know, when an opportunity presents itself, you need to be able to stroke a check. You can't say, okay, well, now I need to go refinance this property or sell this property and, you know, 30 30, 60, 80 days later, I'm going to have cash to take advantage of this opportunity. You have to be liquid. In the good old days, we would have equity lines of credit on our properties, an opportunity to come along and just stroke a check. And when you weren't using it, you weren't incurring any interest cost, which was really kind of like getting a five or six or seven, whatever your note rate was, return on that on that money. You didn't have to pay for it. Well, today you can't do that. Not Not really. So you have to have a place where you can park your cash, where you have it readily available, but the problem is, like I said earlier, it's not earning anything. And well, here's the point. You, you talked about you know, being able to sleep at night and, and, and having peace of mind. Well, it's going to be money that I have set aside that I need to be able to access quickly. I can put that in some sort of a, an account that has a return, but the return is going to be tiny. Right. Now, if I'm going to lock some of that away for a longer period of time, then I might be able to get a, a higher return. As a real estate investor... I'm not focusing on the return from my reserves or my deposits, which are really my tenants' money or any of that. I'm focused on the real estate aspect of it. But as we've seen in the last couple of years, if you don't focus on all elements of your investment, it can certainly get away from you. Absolutely. People who thought that rises in appreciation could take care of negative cash flow because, yeah, okay, I'm losing a couple hundred bucks a month on a property, but look, it's gone up $10,000 a month. Well, that's great until the music stops. So when I'm looking at the cash I'm going to keep on hand, what does that mean? Is it in the mattress? Is it in a checkbook where there's not any interest? Is it in some sort of money market account? And so we're going to give you some ideas today. I think maybe some radically different ideas today about how you can look at the cash management that is part of your real estate business. Well, I think one of the things you do is you look at other people that have huge piles of cash that they have to manage and you say, well, what do they do? How do they do it? You know, I'm always interested in talking and looking at people that have huge <laughs> piles of cash. So, yeah, that would be great. So, yeah, I called it, you know, follow the big dogs. And we do it in Clues in the News and Mentoring Club. We do it uh, just in our daily lives as you try to get around people that are dealing with the same things, but they have the resources to really research things, to come up with products and solutions and ideas. Uh, there's a thing in most financial circles, whether it's mortgage or insurance or any, any type of financial deal, they're called actuaries. And these people are just number crunching freaks. And especially in the information age, their ability to do these computational things and figure out what the risk is and, and all that and, and to number crunch to the nth degree is powerful. But you as an individual investor may not have that ability. But if you can look at what they do and say, well, I don't have a billion dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars on my balance sheet sitting in idle cash that I need to find a way to put to work. But yet, yet, but if you look at somebody who does and say, could I adopt some of those very same principles they're doing on my 20,000 or on my 50,000 or on my 100,000 or on my 500,000, whatever your number is, you may be able to pick up some great lessons 
that you could never never do on your own. And that's one of the things we want to look at today. Well, this is one of the paradigms I want to talk about because, as you mentioned and, and, and went over pretty quickly, in, in the Mentoring Club, and if you're a backstage past member in Audio Mentoring Club, we look at what the big dogs do, and, and, and that is – getting a lesson from what other investors have done. We've been talking a lot in Mentoring Club in recent months about the Federal Reserve and their actions. And it doesn't matter what you think about what they're doing. If you can figure out what they're doing and then align your interests so that they have the same result as when their interests get the result, right? So your interests are aligned even if you're not part of what they're doing because you're not going to be, right? But if you can figure that out and then you know where they're what where they're leading to, where the puck's going, if you will, and you know, hockey week, then uh, then yeah, okay. I, I can now align my interests in that kind of a way. And so watching what big investors and, and banks and the Federal Reserve and insurance companies do is huge. The actuarial idea, what is that? That's the ability to look at a whole bunch of data and figure out the probability. You mentioned insurance. The way insurance works is, let's say you want to insure against loss on your house. I want to insure against loss on my house. One of us out of 100,000 is going to lose their house to a fire. We can just say, well, tough luck for that guy. Or 100,000 of us can each put a little bit in just in case. And then the one guy gets the, you know, who, who needs it gets the money. And so the actuarial figures out what's the likelihood of that happening. What do those numbers really have to look like? Those are not guesses. Those guys have that down to a science that's just ridiculous. That's why certain zip codes have certain insurance premiums and other ones don't. That's why certain areas, uh, and the same thing in lending, you'll have areas where they're willing to lend more or their loan to values are different. Uh, and it's just based on what really happens in that particular neighborhood, that particular product type, in that particular situation, whatever it is. Uh, so having the ability to do that is just an art and a science and an, a resource-intensive activity that you know the average person can't do. But again, when you can look at what a big corporation is doing, how they manage debt, do they expect interest rates to rise or fall, they have the ability to look at it at a much deeper level. And you can look at it and go, okay, this is what they're doing. Why might they be doing it? And how might I apply those same principles to the decisions I have to make, even though my portfolio has like less commas and less zeros and all that, but it's still, hey, it's my money. You know, HP, for example, is a company, because we looked at them, how they were handling their bond portfolio several months ago. I care a lot more about my $200,000 in the bank than I care about HP's $200 million in the bank. You know what I mean? Because yeah. my $200,000 is way more important to me yep. than their $200 million. But if I can look at what they do with their $200 million and apply that to my $200,000, I get the benefit of their research capabilities. Wow, that's pretty good. And, and the other thing, too, is, I mean, when you're talking about, hey, I need to figure out what my cash reserves should be, what are the probabilities that I'm going to have a vacancy? What are the probabilities that my water heater is going to blow up? If you had the same actuarial tools that these big institutions have, you could get that down to a science so that you only had the amount of money in reserve that you absolutely had to have to be safe, and then you could deploy all the rest of your capital at high ROIs to have the maximum return on your portfolio. Well, I mean, that's the ultimate goal as an investor, but, you know, it's hard. You, I, I don't know how you would figure out that on a, on a real estate thing, but that's, that's the concept of cash management in the context we're talking about it today. You know, we were uh, going to a concert once, and the people I was with were like, we're late, we're late, we're late. We, we park, and we're a little later than the crowd, right? We, well, we get in, put our, give, give our tickets, walk in, sit down, and the minute we sit down, the lights go down, and the thing, we're, we're perfectly on time. That's exactly when I wanted to walk in. Exactly. No reason to sit in that seat for 30 minutes while they tuned up their instruments. I want to walk in and have it done. So, But that doesn't happen very often. And so even though we'd love to get to that spot where it's perfect, you have to accept one of the realities, which is it just isn't going to be perfect. So what, what you're hearing today, 
today, and what you're going to hear on the show, especially from our guest, may be something that challenges the way that you've been thinking up until now. Most folks who think about the reserve counts just stuff those in some bank account, figuring, well, hey, if I need it, I, I can get it. We're going to expand your mind a little bit and have you think differently about managing the cash during your real estate business, and that's going to bleed over to maybe the other areas of your life. Because if I start looking at what am I really doing with the liquidity that I have, is it the smartest thing? What we would call compared to what? Right. We were doing this case study in Mentoring Club where it, actually it came from one of the uh, Ask the Guys questions, which in a few weeks we're going to do another Ask the Guys show. That's always uh, popular. Uh, so you get uh, your uh, questions to us at uh, realestateguysradio.com. Just click Ask the Guys. And uh, every uh, six or eight weeks we do a show on Ask the Guys. And this was a question that came in. And it was basically, this property I want to buy, should I keep it and keep it for cash flow or should I flip it and sell it. Well, the answer to that question is do the math and the math will tell you what to do based on your personal investment philosophy. But then the big question is compared to what? Which is it a good return? Absent the compared to what, you're not going to be able to answer that. So today, we're going to answer that compared to what question a little bit and get your mind thinking. So we're super excited about today's show. Uh, we have a guest uh, that has flown into the studio uh, for the show today, and uh, I think you're going to be excited about what he's going to talk about, and it's going to stretch your brain. So uh, we're going to have a break here and come back, and with a wide open mind, we're going to talk about cash management tools for real estate investors. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Hi, this is Peter Schiff, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. Hi, this is Bob Helms. They call me the godfather of real estate, mostly because I've been investing longer than the average Joe, since 1957 to be exact. Back when I started out, investing was pretty simple. Even so, I made more than my fair share of mistakes. And I can't imagine getting into this game today without some help. That's why I'm inviting you to check out the Real Estate Guys Investor Mentoring Club. There are three locations to choose from, Silicon Valley, Los Angeles, and Dallas, Texas. To find out when and where, just send an email to guys at realestateguysradio.com or use the feedback page on the website at realestateguysradio.com. Tell them the Godfather sent you. Hi, this is Kendra Todd, winner of The Apprentice, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, heard every week on this great radio station all the time at realestateguysradio.com. If you miss a show, you can go to our site and uh, just click on a button and hear it. That's how easy it is. We always keep the last few shows up there fresh for you. Uh, or better yet, you can subscribe on iTunes, and then we'll come to you uh, automatically like we do to all the thousands of people that subscribe. So if you listen to iTunes, thanks. You've made us the number one downloaded real estate show on iTunes. We're talking today about cash management strategies for real estate investors. Investors uh, maybe don't start out with a lot of cash, but they want to get to a place where they have a lot of cash. And this is going to be a lifelong deal, managing your cash. And the way you do it and the tools you use are going to change over time. Part of being a good technician in anything that you do, you go to a, a mechanic, you know, you walk in and you look and if the guy, if you open up his toolbox and he's got a hammer, <laughs> and that's all and that's in tape. the toolbox. 
his answer to every one of your problems is going to be to hit it with the hammer. Yeah. And what you want to do is go find someone when they open up the toolbox, it has an array of tools that they know how to deal with a variety of different situations. And the more sophisticated the machinery, the, the, the more expensive and valuable, typically the better quality and the bigger array of tools. And the tool is only going to be as valuable as the skill of the person using it. And so it's very exciting for us as we continue to explore the nuances of real estate investing. It's not just the core thing of buying a piece of real estate and getting a mortgage on it and getting a tenant, but there's all the... the yeah, if that's all there was, we would have had one year worth of shows, exactly. not 15. Yeah. There's a lot of peripheral things that go into it. And so as we've been out there exploring that, we've come across this concept that is just so exciting. It's a tool that you can put in your investor toolbox to allow you to do something. I, you know, candidly, I didn't think was possible. No, it's really cool. We're really excited about it. In fact, our guest has been on the show before. And uh, when we last had Patrick on uh, the show, we were so intrigued. We said, you know, this is the kind of thing that takes some time to get your mind around. And uh, we sweet talked him into coming with us on the Investor Summit at Sea, and uh, there he did a, a workshop on it, plus spent a lot of time one-on-one with investors talking about this, and it was the buzz. People were really into the idea, so uh, please welcome our good friend, Patrick Donahoe. Hey, Patrick. Hey, guys. How are you? We're good. How are you doing? I'm, I'm awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Always good being with you. Well, it's great to have you uh, with us. Thanks for making the trip. Uh, one of the things that we have to be concerned about is about real estate investors is the changing landscape. I know you spend a lot of time looking at, at uh, the economy and the big picture of stuff, but uh, I, I think that, that this is a bit of a, a paradigm, if you will, and, and I keep using that word, and I guess it's not an accident that your company uh, is called Paradigm Life, mm -hmm. has that in the uh, name, but um, this, this idea that you can do what the big dogs do is, is pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, the paradigm, obviously, it's not just, you know, some name we came up with on a whim, but, you know, the, just the concept of a paradigm shift. I mean, we all, we all look at the world differently, and because of all of our experiences, and we form, you know, we form opinions about things and people, cultures, societies. I mean, we can have a whole show on, on just a paradigm. Yep. Um, but we, we focus on a, a, a financial product that is not often used the way that we use it. In fact, it's hardly ever used. And yeah, it's it's gained a lot of notoriety over the last couple of years, obviously because of the downturn in, in the market. People always tend to look for new things. Hey, my 401k tanked. Hey, my Roth IRA tanked. What, what do I do? And so a lot of people have kind of seeked different avenues. And, and you know, we, we were doing this before the crash of, of 2008. Right. Um, but a lot, it, it's gained a lot of clout. It's gained a lot of momentum. And it's, it's really exciting. Well, it's interesting because I think what's happened with the downturn is people who necessarily weren't that interested in their finances. It was not their favorite thing to do, but you know, a lot of that took care of itself when everything was going well, right? Real estate investors who were buying a property went up a hundred grand in a year. I could be sloppy. Today, they, they, they can't. Today, they have to look, and that's why we wanted to devote some time to this idea of managing your cash. You guys take it a big step further than that, but, but just to start with, if I'm, a, if I'm a real estate investor and I've got some money sitting around, if you will, what you guys teach is a way to use that as an asset that 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 counts differently than just cash in the bank. Yeah, and I think I've I've always loved there's a there's a phrase that I'm not sure where it comes from. It always says that the the entrepreneur is always broke, which means in their network they always have deals coming right. to them, right? And they have opportunities to invest here and opportunities to invest here. Put your money here, put your money there. But whatever the investment, you always have, uh, you're always financing it. Yep. Okay. Now most people think, okay, well if I put cash into this real estate deal. That's not really financing, is it? Obviously, if you took out a loan to do that, it would be financing. But if yep. you pay cash for something, as Russ said previously, you would you lose the opportunity to earn interest in an alternative vehicle. And that's an actual economic measurement. Yep. And so as you look at putting money into deals and you recognize that, hey, I have an opportunity cost 
if I do this, if, if it's cash, okay, then you can start to think about the viability of the deal. Looking at our system, what we you know, teach individuals to do is you basically create your own banking system so that you have access to capital, but you do not have to suffer through opportunity costs because the vehicle that we use, the actual company that manages it will give you a loan against that capital to use for anything. Isn't this exactly what the banks do anyway? I mean, banks are some of the most profitable, even though their, their stock has been down, banks are profitable and banks continue to be profitable because no matter what happens in the interest rate environment, they've always got that little spread that they're, they're making money on. And one of the big dogs we're going to look at today is what, what the banks do with their money. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you, and this is what really intrigued me because I was jaded, you know, about six years ago from an insurance guy. And I didn't really understand what I was doing at, at that time. And so I had a really negative opinion about it. But then that's, this is kind of what turned me on to, hey, banks are the biggest buyers of life insurance. And it's, it sounds completely counterintuitive, but as you guys were mentioning in the beginning, I mean, r reserves are really important. And, and not just in investing, in everything. I mean, yep. in, your, in your family, in a business, in real estate. And what's fascinating is that banks ch have chosen to put the majority of their reserves in life insurance. Now, now we've, we've done some shows over the years on life insurance as a tool, and you've you've been a guest on a couple of those shows. And you know, at first people go, "Well, okay," but I think of life insurance in one way, and this is the paradigm that we have to break. Yeah. You think of life insurance, as your ad says, as a death benefit that yeah. gets paid out sometime in the future at a, at a time where I'm not going to be interested in the outcome, right? But but there's so much more to, to this tool, and I think this is the year we're really getting our mind around it. Yeah, I mean, there, the stigma is the Ned Ryerson from Groundhog Day, right? Right. You got, <laughs> yeah. the, and my, I have a guy in my office that he has those same glasses. And I'm like, dude, you cannot wear those glasses in here. Ned the but head, that, yeah. That's, Ned the head. I can't remember what his other that's nicknames That's so were. funny. But anyway, that, that's, that's the perception out yeah. there. And, you know, it was difficult for me to, to choose this profession because I knew of that, you know, perspective that people had about insurance guys. And, uh, and so it was, it was difficult. But looking at, you know, what you can do and the viability of this vehicle it's definitely been worth it. But still, I, I deal with that on a, daily, on a daily basis. But once you can, as you said, you know, when we started into the break, if you have an open mind, if you really think about things and you adopt the philosophy that nothing has intrinsic value, the value is in how you use it, yeah. okay, then you can kind of start to see how it might, be, it might be applicable. Well, you know, and again, nobody who's listening to the show wants to be average and ordinary. The average and ordinary person thinks of it in a certain way. Russ, you had a paradigm shift in life insurance because you actually spent some time in that industry yourself. Absolutely, I did. You know, I, I mean, I was a guy that, that looked at life insurance as a death benefit and a savings program. And that is uh, the way it was being sold because the insurance industry couldn't really make enough money just selling the death benefit by itself, which is called term insurance. And so they created another product where they attached a savings program to it. And you built equity in your policy. Uh, but the emphasis in the sales process was you are going to buy a death benefit and you are going to buy a savings program. Well, when you parse those things out, you were paying too much for the insurance yep. and you were getting a lousy rate of return on the cash. And it was mathematically very simple to blow up. And there was this gigantic movement in the early 80s that really revolutionized the life insurance business. And I was in the industry at that particular point in time. And I had very strong paradigms about what worked and what didn't work. And when I first met Patrick, I got to admit, I had a real resistance to any notion that this tool could be used in a positive way for an investor 
based on the compared to what? Because if you compared it to many other things, it just didn't work. But I never looked at it as a cash management tool. And the thing that really got me on board was I realized this isn't even life insurance. That's not really what it's about. And we'll right. get into the details of that. But, but the reality is, is the life insurance part of it is really a formality in order to achieve certain benefits under the law that are reserved for life insurance. Okay, now that is huge right there. So if up till now you're, you're reaching for the dial or you're looking, re- trying to grab your uh, your iPad and go, Shh, I'm done, that that's what you need to hear is that this isn't about insurance in, in the traditional sense. This is about the special treatment that an insurance policy and insurance companies are able to get. Insurance companies, for instance, as an industry, how much, how come, how much income tax do they pay? I don't know. That's Not very much. No. They're huge, though. And Not their very lobby much. is super powerful. And yeah. again, you talked earlier about the notion of the Federal Reserve, arguably yeah. a very powerful institution on the face of the earth. If you can align your interests with the interests of the yeah. uh, Federal Reserve, they're going to do what they're going to do in their own interest. And if your interest aligns with them, they don't care about you, but they're going to help you because you've put yourself in a position where it benefits them to help you because they're focused on themselves. Same thing here. If you can align your interest, if the insurance industry is able through their lobby, efforts to create uh, a scenario where they get preferential treatment you can say well they shouldn't get okay whatever it is what it is right but but the point is is if you understand how to use the tool now and use it for what what it can do and this is the thing that really went I mean the bottom line for me was are you telling me I can have my money in two places at the same time and earn in both places okay hold that thought because you're jumping way ahead so Patrick how do we take this tool and use this in this very unconventional manner? well first Russ and pardon the pun but he hit the nail on the head I know you guys use the hammer thing right. that was good yeah so that's the only uh, tool he has <laughs> so it, it's set up different you know you you have traditional permanent policies that take forever to fund and they're inefficient their returns are nothing but you can set up a policy pretty much the opposite way you can set it up for cash most insurance guys or most financial advisors don't know how to do this properly but if you set it up a specific way it can be one of the best savings vehicles that's out there now the IRS doesn't really mean hopefully they're not listening to your show but you know they're they don't for like lots to look of reasons at it like hopefully that. they're not yeah amen to that <laughs> because obviously you have some tax treatment uh, with insurance that you do not have in mutual funds or savings accounts, deferred vehicles, and so forth. So you have to recognize that, again, it's, it's, it's a vehicle that's set up for a specific thing. In this case, it's an insurance policy set up for as much cash value that the IRS will allow in there to have preferential treatment tax-wise. All right, so this is a, a new twist, if you will. Lots of thought has gone on to this. A lot of smart people have figured out how to engineer this into a tool that is going to be very intriguing to you. So stay with us. When we come back, we're going to find out more from Patrick. We're also going to play real estate trivia. And uh, because uh, we're just uh, over the Stanley Cup now, we're going to have some hockey element of our trivia questions. So if you're a hockey fan, stay tuned. I'm your host, Robert Helms, and we're the Real Estate Guys. Hi, I'm Robert Kiyosaki, and I encourage you to listen to those wild and crazy real estate guys. They're the best, they're working for years, and they know what they're talking about. Are you ready to take your real estate investing to a whole new level? Imagine spending an entire week with like-minded investors, world-class educators, and real-world professionals. Join the Real Estate Guys for the 10th Annual Investor Summit. It's part education, part inspiration, part transformation, and a whole lot of fun. And it takes place in four different countries. Returning this year are Rich Dad Advisors Ken McElroy and Wayne Palmer, International Developer Beth Clifford, Attorney Mauricio Rald, and the Godfather of Real Estate Bob Pounds. Plus, joining us for the first time, Robert and Kim Kiyosaki, live and in person. It all begins March 30th, 2012 in Orlando. 
visit realestateguysradio.com and click on the tab that says Summit to learn more. The Investor Summit always sells out, so reserve your spot today. Go to realestateguysradio.com and click Summit or call 888-GUYSRADIO to talk with our Summit Specialist. That's 888-489-7723. 888-GUYSRADIO. Spend a week with the Real Estate Guys, the Kiyosakis, and an all-star faculty on the 10th Annual Investor Summit. Hi, this is Kim Kiyosaki. I'm the author of Rich Woman, and you are listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program. Thanks for tuning in to the show. If you want to hang out with Kim Kiyosaki for a week, then you need to come on our 2012 Investor Summit at Sea. Patrick's going, Russ is going, I'm going. It's a lot of fun. Check out the information on our website at realestateguysradio.com. Before we get back to the interview with Patrick Donahoe, it's time to play real estate trivia. Your chance to win a prize by knowing our real estate trivia question. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you a, a real estate. It's a real estate trivia question, but it has a hockey element in it. And as soon as you know the answer or want to take a guess, you're going to send an email to us to trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Trivia at realestateguysradio.com. Include your guess or the correct answer, which hopefully it will be, and your name and mailing address. That way we can send you an autographed copy of Equity Happens, Building Lifelong Wealth with Real Estate. If you're our winner, we give away one to the first correct guess. Then we take all the correct guesses for the week, have a drawing for a second autograph book. That way, if you're listening uh, to the podcast or, or online, you still have a chance to win as long as you get your entry in before next week's show. Those are the rules. It's fun to play and easy to do. Real estate trivia. Before I give you this week's hockey uh, real estate question, uh, last week on the Real Estate Guys show, we said uh, we asked you to name the highest capital city in the world, and the answer, La Paz in Bolivia, is the highest capital city in the world. It was uh, it has an elevation of 12,000 feet above sea level. So there you go. Here's our question for this week. We're just through the uh, Stanley Cup, and uh, my question has to do with hockey kind of here's what i want to know where is the world's largest hockey stick the world's largest hockey stick where is that and you can imagine what it is in your mind it's a big giant hockey stick that sits somewhere where that's what i want to know it's somewhere on planet earth if you can tell us that you can be the proud owner of equity happens just send your uh, entry to trivia at realestateguysradio.com trivia at realestateguysradio.com Patrick, you're a hockey fan. I, I grew up playing hockey. Wow. I have, I have fake teeth because of hockey. Look at that. <laughs> and you were a real <laughs> hockey player. You weren't one of those fake hockey players. Well, uh, you know, hockey's big in our household, and for the Stanley Cup to go seven games was uh, pretty awesome. So I figured we'd have to, in honor of that, we'd have to uh, have a hockey uh, question. We're talking today about cash management tools for real estate investors, and one of the tools that uh, Patrick helps educate people about is a little-known way to use an insurance policy as a cash management vehicle. But it's not insurance like you're thinking about insurance instead it's it's almost a structured finance vehicle so so patrick explain to us kind of what the the premise behind this insurance policy if you will is and how that translates into helping me with my cash management so as, as russ was explaining i mean they're probably in the early 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 1900s they developed kind of a permanent policy that built equity and what the equity meant was if you cancel the policy they would give you a certain amount of money back okay so Cash value, thats it's kind of cash surrender value. The technical term for canceling a policy is surrendering the policy. If Which, you, by the way, most people do, right? That, that, yeah, that's, Very few policies reach fruition. No, hardly any. I mean, yeah. it's less than less than 10% of permanent policies ever pay a claim. They're always 
surrendered for the for the cash. Well, and if we let's just stop for a minute because part of the mindset that I know you had, Russ, and when you were in the insurance business, was the idea of term insurance, which is just paying for the benefit and no extra, so that if I stop paying, there's nothing, and unless I die, I don't get the benefit. Mm-hmm. But the argument for that was, well, why would you be putting extra money in when it doesn't perform very well? However, what this tool's allowed you to do, the concept of the tool is, I keep paying every month, paying every month, paying every month, almost like paying principal and interest, and you're paying a little principal, but a lot of interest until near the end, you're paying more and more principal, and now you're owning more and more of the, of the property. In this case, there's a portion of the policy that if you don't reach the end of the policy and claim the death benefit, there's still some money left. Yeah, I think it was Dolph DeRuz that said that life insurance set up right is the most similar financial vehicle to real estate. Yeah. And so basically, you again, you can set it up to have maximum cash value because cash value actually earns interest. Now, not to deviate, but there there's two types of insurance companies. You have stock companies and you have mutual companies. Okay, stock companies, publicly owned. MetLife, Prudential, Lincoln, all these are owned by individual shareholders. Yep. However, mutual companies are not owned publicly. They are owned by the actual policy owners. It's a big distinction. Huge distinction. Because if I'm a publicly traded company, I'm all about returns for shareholders. Oh, I know. If I'm a mutual company, my shareholders, if you will, are the very people that have the policies. Yeah, and if you look at you know AIG and Prudential that made some probably not the smartest financial decisions or yeah. investment decisions In a few years ago. I mean, you look at that, and obviously the the insurance company is trying to retain their shareholders. They're trying to attract new shareholders. I mean, Mark, you're in your neck of the Mark Cuban, um, he came out with an article on his blog that says that you know these days the average share is held less than a second. Because individuals wow. are buying and selling, buying and selling, buying and selling on, on whims. Yep. So you have a lot of volatility with you know the profits of, of publicly traded companies. All right, so back to mutual companies. Mutual companies have you know made very wise, prudent investment decisions, and they've paid policy owners dividends based on how much cash value that they have. So the more cash value you have, the more dividends that you get. So that's where we kind of started to, start to discover you can because sit. Because still, the problem is, is, as great as that was, it was years down the road of owning a policy before you really saw anything. Even with dividends. Yeah. It could take 15, 16, 20 years yeah. to get all the money back, even with interest, that you would, that you would put in. So now, this re-engineering essentially mm-hmm. has occurred of the same yeah. tool, but it doesn't look like the same hammer now. No, it does not. It does not. Yeah, you, basically, there's, there's a couple things that have happened over the last you know, two, two decades or so. One being that people are living longer. Actuarial tables have changed. Now, the IRS rules have not changed, okay, but yet the policy durations as far as how long people are going to live have changed. Yeah. So that has allowed more cash to be put inside of a policy without breaching that IRS limit. Right. If it, I mean, just it's common sense, but uh, not to belabor the point, but if you're living longer but you're still making that same monthly payment, you're going to build up more cash value. Exactly. Okay, so basically that's, that's kind of how we set it up, and we set it up so that – the money that you put in, you pretty much have within a couple of years all of it back, and then any future gains is icing on icing on the cake. Okay, cool. So, so let me just jump in here for a second because I think I'm a good poster child for a guy that had to break a paradigm and had to begin to get my mind around it. And one of the things is, like to your point with Dolph DeRus, is that if you think about putting the money into the policy, like putting money into your line of credit in your uh, you know, paying into equity or paying down your line of credit in your home, thinking that I can write a check on that whenever I want it. So I have the ability to put money in, take money out. It's a put and take account. The difference is, uh, Patrick, and correct me if I'm wrong, that unlike what happened to a lot of people who put a bunch of money into their home loan in order to save the interest when they weren't using the cash, it was a better return than in the bank. When the bank or the lender 
cut the the line of credit, the liquidity went completely away, and now that money was just locked up in the property and you couldn't get it back out. Worse, Oops. if you wanted to get it out, you had to pay fees. You had to qualify to borrow out your own money. And worse than that, when the values of those real estate assets went down, now it's not even there. Yeah, so this this concept, what I got was this concept is is just like that where I, I can take extra cash and I can put it into the policy and I'm not buying more insurance. That you was, have extra cash? Yeah, yeah. So that was one of the things that I had to get my mind around. I'm not buying more death benefit. I'm not paying for more insurance only to the extent that I need to make sure I stay qualified to have this feature. The feature of being able to have a put and take account is because it's a life insurance policy that my little quote fingers in the air here on the radio. And so I have to have that component to it, but that is not my focus. My focus is it's really almost like a depository account. I'm putting money in. I can write a check whenever I want it. I don't have to qualify. I don't have to worry be, about it being cut. And then some other cool features that we're gonna, I'm sure we're going to talk about here shortly, oh, yeah. which is like one of my favorite features is the fact that I can have it working for me in two places at one time. It's, it's a right that you actually have as a policy owner. They will give you a line, you know, a, you know quote unquote line of credit against your cash value and it can be for anything so people think well i wouldn't want to put money into a life insurance policy but i would be willing to put money to pay down my home equity line of credit and then pull it back out and so it's exactly the same thing yeah. right and i mean there are policies that have, that have this feature if you will that people don't use as a cash management tool necessarily but that hey if something comes up i need to borrow the money out then i, I can i can pay it back or not is one of the things uh, about it but in this case you're you're starting with that as one of the primary objectives yeah absolutely i mean that that's the thing is that we're always going to need capital in life whether yep. we're a family or whether an investor, and again, going back to my point, as an entrepreneur, you, you're always going to have opportunities. Yep. And you're always going to need that cash. And if you're saving up for the next deal, the next round of homes, the, you know, maybe you do have a roof that needs to be replaced a year down the road. You're saving up for that. And that money really has no utility until you use it for the roof. And when you use it for the roof, it no longer earns any interest. Right. Not that it was before, right. but very you know, much. It, it, it earns no interest indefinitely. But now using this cash management tool, you have the money in there. It's earning tax-free returns, tax-free dividends. You get, you get a line of credit against it you can use for the roof. And then basically we teach individuals to treat this system as a bank. Just like you would pay back a bank, pay back the loan that you've taken from the insurance company to purchase whatever the case may be. Okay, so the, we're not going to have a break paradigm. We're going to have to train our financial habits as well. Let's talk quickly. You said, you know, tax-free. Is that part of the fact that it's the nature of insurance that it's tax-free? Yeah, I mean, and again, we could go off on all sorts of tangents here, but what they what they consider interest and dividends is a return of premium. And that's not really what you've gotten. What you instead is you're uh, borrowing against an asset that you have. Yeah, technically, it, it technically it's both. And so yeah, so the the whole tax free nature of the growth of insurance is just based on that premise that it's a return of principal, return of premium. Okay, gotcha. Now this whole idea of having your cake and eating it too, I'm very intrigued about. We'll find out how you can actually be earning interest on it and yet borrow it and, and earn even more. That's that's mystifying to me, but uh, if it is to you, stay tuned. We're going to find that out from Patrick when we come back. You're tuned to the Real Estate Guys radio program. I'm your host, Robert Helms. Hi, I'm Steve Forbes. You're listening to the Real Estate Guys. Most people think of life insurance as a death benefit, a big payout to the beneficiary when the insured dies. Some people think of life insurance as a savings vehicle, though it arguably isn't a very good one. 
But how many people think of life insurance as a cash management tool? Now that's a new paradigm. So before you think you already understand life insurance, call the professionals at Paradigm Life. They have educational resources to help you discover the living benefits of life insurance as a powerful cash management tool. Discover how to finance your own interests and essentially be your own bank. For a free report, visit beyourbank.com or call 888-510-6838, extension 116. That's 888-510-6838, extension 116. Or visit beyourbank.com. I'm Jordan Goodman, author of Master Your Debt, and you're listening to The Real Estate Guys. Welcome back to The Real Estate Guys radio program, our 14th year of broadcast. Thanks for tuning in. Tell a friend and come back next week. We'll have more to talk about this week, cash management strategies for real estate investors with this interesting use of, uh, of a life insurance. Patrick Donahoe is our guest. And uh, this is fascinating, Patrick, and it does take some time to, to learn. We've had you on the show a couple times. We have the benefit of having spent a week with you on the summit. And that that is a, a, it's the kind of thing where you need to ask questions, think about it, come back, ask Absolutely. questions more, but we're trying to expose as much as we can. One of the cool things though, is what Russ talked about is how are you able to have your money working for you in two places using this vehicle? Well, as I said before, when you, when you have money inside of this, inside this vehicle, it's earning those dividends, earning that interest, but yet the insurance company is basically giving you a line of credit against that capital. So you can take that line of credit Use it in conjunction with the property. Use it in conjunction with the business deal. Use it in conjunction with anything that you want. Yep. Earn the yield on wherever that money went, and yet at the same time you're earning interest inside the policy, as if it, you know, you, you weren't borrowing from it. Okay. Now you've got money that's built up, mm-hmm. but I guess part of the key of what you guys have structured is you've got to get more money in sooner. Mm-hmm. So if I make money in a real estate deal using this money that I've borrowed from mm-hmm. myself, if mm-hmm. you will. Can I just pay it back or do I pay more back? How do I increase the money that I can work with? Well, we, we traditionally, and it, and it depends, because obviously some investors live off of their investments. They'll yep. invest a deal and maybe they'll live off of 50%, put the 50% for the future deal. So it really depends. Yep. But yet if you're you know, earning, let's say it's, it's a cash flow on a property and you're trying to build up your portfolio, we traditionally teach people to, if you take out 50 grand and you used it for the down payment, pay the 50 grand back with the net cash flow on the property. Okay. Now it's earning money mm-hmm. the, 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 as it, as it grows, mm-hmm. the part that, that is, there's still an insurance benefit in there Absolutely. And, and there has to be. Uh-huh. So, and, and now, so this probably becomes part of your overall planning mm-hmm. because you do need insurance and yeah. so forth, but it's not the, it's not the main driver here. So you have that part of it, but then you have this part, which is the ability to borrow the money. Mm-hmm. You want to actively use that. That's how you get the benefit, right? Exactly. And, and we, we teach another concept, which is called the velocity of money. Uh, and it's something that banks banks practice. It's what makes them so profitable. But as you use the money for one particular investment, and let's say it's a cash flowing investment, and you're earning a net cash flow on a monthly basis, you're putting that money to basically pay down this line of credit. That money is immediately liquid to use for something else. So basically, you turn that one stream of cash flow into a another stream of cash flow, and into another subsequent stream of cash flow, and on and on and on and on. All right. So when we were here, I don't know, sometime around a year ago when we talked about this, uh, we, Russ and I started to get intrigued by it, had some conversations, read a book that you had sent us, which mm-hmm. also got our minds around uh, some different ways of thinking about money. Mm-hmm. Russ, you actually went in and uh, took it a step further than that. Talk about that. Well, I did. Well, first of all, on the summit, I had a chance to spend time and sit in in Patrick's presentation, which was great. And I got a chance to hear other people ask questions that I hadn't even thought of and listen to Patrick answer those, which was great. And awesome I- start to your presentation. 
presentation, by the way. That <laughs> it was, was great. great. We, it was it's great. an inside was, joke, but it was great. It was great. So then I had a chance to actually have uh, dinner with a couple of his clients who explained to me this really pretty arduous educational process he would put them through. I mean, like eight hours mm-hmm. of, of, you know, not all at one time, but, mm-hmm. but webinars over a period of time, one-on-one coaching, if mm-hmm. you will, on how to use the tool and how to understand the tool. And I really applaud you just for, for the dedication to making sure that your people understand and don't just buy, but really use and know how to utilize and maximize the benefit of, of, of the concept. Because it isn't an easy concept to mm-hmm. get your mind around, but they were raving fans. Yeah. And then I attended the breakout session and that was great. And then I came back with the new enthusiasm and said, Hey, I, I want to go through some of that training. I heard these guys. So I already had my first session. Uh, Patrick and I spent two hours. I went through a webinar. He's got this cool technology where he kind of puts everything he's writing on his, uh, tablet PC mm-hmm. right on your computer screen while he's talking to you. It's awesome. And he's just, just working through the numbers with you. And that's, that's really, you know, we got to the point I said, Hey Robert, we got to have Patrick back on the show because this is a concept. I don't know that we really got the right message across in the last show. And it's really worth visiting, especially after talking to people who'd gone through it and were using the product. And you know, it's not too often that you get clients that are just raving fans i mean raving fans yeah. and these guys are raving fans and they were talking and they're writing big checks because they're they're these guys are business owners they're writing six-figure checks and dumping a lot of money into these uh into these policies and again i use the term policy loosely because to me i feel like i'm buying insurance i'm not mm-hmm. you wouldn't have a qualm about writing a check to $150,000 and putting it in your bank. doesn't feel like it's an expense. It, it, it's a deposit. Well, you're becoming essentially your bank. That's what you're doing here. You're using this very unique feature that's available because of the unique positioning of the life insurance industry to do something you would never be able to do because you can put your money in the policy to your point, Patrick, take it out and go use it someplace else and get that return. But you've created a, a spread, if you will, on the cost to borrow versus the cost of what you're earning. So mm-hmm. when we've, we've done this where we put money in a CD because we want the money in a CD and then we will turn around and borrow the money back out and we call it back to back or a secured loan. But the arbitrage is negative. We're going to, we're going to have right. to pay an interest. You pay a little more than you earn. Yeah. This is the opposite of that. And mm-hmm. the first thing is, well, wait a minute, how can that possibly be? And the answer is, the insurance companies know that most people are going to quit. And so they have a lot of profitability on the insurance component. Especially a mutual insurance company because their motive isn't shareholder profit. It's benefit to the policy. But we sound like a commercial. It's great. We're, 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 <laughs> but, but no, here's the point. I think you brought up a good point, which is, you know, we had Patrick on the show before. And I think what that did is it raised more questions than answers, which is great. If yeah. you're confused right now, mm-hmm. what we're talking about cannot be explained in an hour. It just can. It's one of the reasons that you have a free report. We're going to tell people how you can get the free report uh, so you can learn about that. But even more so, the next step of sitting and doing these one-on-ones yeah. and these webinars is a way because it takes time to get your brain to switch its paradigm. Yeah, and, and that's and that's why we take so much time to educate people. A lot of it is just very simple financial principles. Yeah. But at the same time, when you're adopting this system, it's not like you're going to use it for a year and then not use it again. And people these days, they're they're like that. You know, they, they have the new car, they use it for a year, they get rid of it. They, you know, people, people buy things not necessarily for the long term. This is a very long term strategy and you need to be committed to it. And in order to adopt a different habit, I mean, we all know habits are hard to break. Yep. Habits are hard to form. Yep. So forming that habit is, is relatively difficult and requires proper training. And uh, so, yeah, we, we go through some, some neat technology and we have video recording capabilities and do some other things as well just to help kind of 
emphasize and reemphasize, you know, our, our main points. Well, I think it's also interesting that uh, I had a conversation with one of your clients and raving fans who didn't engage right away and it took a long time. Like I had conversations with this guy over several months and he was still in that process. So I think part of it is that if you're going to get your brain around this, you got to give yourself some time. You, you can't take a course on anything meaningful in a weekend, yeah. right? It takes time for you to soak into your brain. So, so chart this as something to at least be open-minded enough to go, well, I'll look into it and then devote a little bit of time to find out, is it for you, is it not? Yeah, and, and the thing is, it does require a degree of discipline. The reason why I love you guys and I love uh, your audience, because I've, I've talked to many of them, is because they have such an amazing capability in, in their mind to engage in these types of conversations. You go yeah. to the average nine-to-fiver, and, and this is Greek to them. And so individuals that have gone on a limb to invest in real estate, to be entrepreneurial, to think outside the box – that that is it's a perfect entrance into what we what we do. Yeah, it probably has to be that way, right? If yeah. everybody did this, then the tool wouldn't work the way it did. The very fact yeah. that most people don't take advantage or take advantage, but they don't ride the policy out, and it's why right. there's all yeah. this money. Most people that bought a policy of insurance, they were it was a salesperson that, that yeah. sold it to them, and they didn't ever explain. And there's it. and there's actually safety there because not a lot of people have the ability to do this. We know that. I mean, the average savings in America is like seven thousand dollars. Yeah. The average debt is sixty. I mean, it's just people are not their their wires up in their brains are not not created to be able to think like this. Yep. So here's what you're gonna do. If you want more information uh, about this, and I don't know why you wouldn't, uh, go to beyourbank.com. Real easy to remember, beyourbank.com, and there you can order a copy of the report that Patrick and his team have put together for this. And then they are totally open and available to taking your questions. It's what they do and they walk people through that and they've done that for hundreds of real estate guys listeners so what we enjoy about the relationship Patrick is that you've been uh, a part of our uh, world here for several years and only recently have we really gotten our mind around it takes some time to do but you're patient in that regard, and I think it's important that the people also have that that ability. So go to BeYourBank.com and uh, find out the information. We uh, sure appreciate uh, having you back on the show. It was great to be here, guys. I, I really appreciate you guys. Absolutely. All right. That was fabulous. Thank you. Good stuff. Next week on The Real Estate Guys, we'll have a great show for you. And uh, coming up in a few weeks, it is Ask the Guys. If you have a question that you'd like to have answered on The Real Estate Guys, go to RealEstateGuysRadio.com. Click on Ask the Guys and fire away. And uh, we're making a commitment to uh, every uh, six to eight weeks, we're going to do a show and answer your questions questions. That's a lot of fun for us and hopefully a learning experience as well. Big thanks to our sponsors for helping to make today possible. Thanks to Chathan, our engineer. And most of all, thank to you. thanks to you, our listener. Be sure to spread the word about The Real Estate Guys. Until next week, go make some equity happen. This episode of The Real Estate Guys radio show is brought to you by Paradigm Life. Powerful cash management strategies using life insurance. Learn more at BeYourBank.com. Mid-South Home Buyers. Low-cost, turnkey cash flow properties in Memphis, Tennessee. Texas Investor Homes. Discover high-yield, low-risk, double-digit cash on cash returns through interim construction funding. Hassle-free cash flow investing. Creating cash flow opportunities for real estate investors with brand new single-family homes in Dallas, Texas. Corporate Direct, asset protection strategies for real estate investors from attorney and rich dad advisor Garrett Sutton. Find these and other great companies under the resources tab at realestateguysradio.com. 
to learn how you can expose your product or service to the Real Estate Guys audience, call 888-489-7723, extension 4. That's 888-489-7723, extension 4. Or use the feedback page at realestateguysradio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week right here on the Real Estate Guys Radio Show. If you're like me and thousands of others, you know that the Real Estate Guys Radio Show is a great source for quality content about investing in real estate. But did you know that they also have a book? I just finished reading their book, Equity Happens, and I was blown away by how much I learned. If you're ready to create sustainable wealth through real estate, you need to get Equity Happens. You'll learn, just as I did, about what it takes to prosper in the real estate industry. So don't wait. Make equity happen to you. Order your copy today at equityhappens.com.